So what's it like to work as a traveling OBGYN? This is the Obstetrics Podcast. I'm Dr. Mike. Let's talk with Dr. George Kinsley. Dr. Kinsley served in the Army Medical Corps. He's held leadership positions in the Cleveland Clinic Health System, and he spent 10 years in solo practice. He is now working as an OB hospitalist group diplomat. Dr. Kinsley, how is your traveling OBGYN programs different, say, from a typical locum tenens position? I would say the primary difference is our commitment to OBHG's vision, and we're in a unique position where working in a startup, a new hospital program environment, we're oftentimes the first people that the doctors, the hospitals, the nurses, and the administration are seeing from OBHG while they're getting permanent staff set up. So we kind of come in as ambassadors of the company, transmitting the company's values, our goals, our experience, our insights as to what works. Welcome tenants, they come in, they fill a spot. Uh, They're technically, by definition, a placeholder. They just come in and work a shift, but their commitment is not necessarily to the the long-term success of an OBHG program. So I think the biggest difference is just we come in with a broader vision of what we're trying to accomplish and trying to impart some early success to a program. So the OBGYNs who joined the Diplomat Travel Program are quite experienced uh, with a track record of success and, and a high level of clinical skill. Is that correct? Clinical skills is kind of a given, but then they look for people with leadership experience. They look for people with the ability to do this kind of travel program, which requires a little bit special skill set, and then see what works to get a new program up and running and with a full head of steam. So as a diplomat, you're not just going in to practice the clinical aspects of OBGYN. You're helping to establish how each unique obstetric hospitalist program will run. Is that true? We're trying to elevate standards across the country. My programs are all Texas-based, so that makes me somewhat unique in the diplomat program in that I'm only working in one state. But we come into a hospital with their goals, their expectations, their unique cultures and the kinds of problems that they're trying to overcome. Some programs we come into have quality problems. They have high C-section rates. They have high complication rates. And we come in as a way to try to help elevate the standard and bring some of our expertise as well as providing the inherent safety of having an in-house OBGYN 24-7. How is your program and how are your doctors viewed by the physician community in general that you're going into? It's kind of a varied mix. At first, a lot of community physicians aren't sure what our motives and our goals are. So some see that, you know, we're going to come in and we're going to somehow be a threat because none of us have private practices. We're not able to refer patients to ourselves or to colleagues. We're just basically there to make their labor and delivery environment safer, to always have a physician there when an emergency happens while the doctor's on the way or physicians tied up in surgery or in other clinical responsibilities, we can fill that gap while they're making their way to the patient. Our company does an excellent job of collecting data on our encounters that raise the level of safety and promote good outcomes. So generally, there's a transition period, but usually within three to six months, we have 100% physician buy-in because they realize the value of what we're bringing to the program. What do you like most about being a, I guess we can call it a mobile hospitalist? What's the good stuff? And then, of course, Dr. Kinsley always is. What's the stuff you'd like to see change? I was part of five new hospital startups this past year. And so to kind of come into a a hospital that really has no idea what our program is going to bring, 
they have all gotten the chance to hear what our vision is and what kinds of services we provide and we tailor make our program to the to the hospital and its its culture and its environment. But it's just exciting to be able to come in on the front end. Most of the programs that I was part of the startup, we had new physicians coming into OBHG. We had a very large expansion in the company over the last several years. So a lot of physicians are coming in without experience as hospitalists. They're proven clinicians, but they've got a lot to learn about what it is to do the job, to do it efficiently, to do it practically, to do it good outcomes. So part of it is kind of being an on-site trainer or new team members and even new team leads. Each program has a team lead or a site director who is responsible for that program. But again, many times those people are inexperienced in OB hospitalist work. And so I think one of the most positive things for me is to be able to kind of help be an on-site mentor and trainer for these new physicians coming into the company and to make sure that our product across the board is consistent. So that's the most exciting part of being a, a traveling or a diplomat within OBHG. We can see immediately improvements on-site at the different hospitals and the nurses are ecstatic to have someone there to do the things that oftentimes they were being asked to do that might have been outside the scope of nursing care. So we get that immediate response of, wow, this is going to be really good. The downsides to traveling is you establish very quick relationships with these new hospitals, but you know it's a relatively short-term contract that you're going to be a part of because I'm basically there until they get a full complement of staff onboarded and credentialing processes take three to six months depending on the hospital. So I might be there at a hospital for two months or three months or four months, but generally it's going to be a limited encounter. And so you develop those relationships quickly, which is a requirement for the job is to be able to establish rapport very quickly, to establish relationships quickly, to instill trust, and then knowing that you're going to leave. So that's kind of hard. You establish those relationships quickly, and then you know that you're going to move on. But by the same token, I've circled back to programs that I was part of a start because I'm still a backup for these other programs, even when they're fully staffed. And when you come back, just to see everybody excited to see you come back and say hi and see what's happened in the meantime. Logistically, the hard thing is that oftentimes your travel days between these different locations, those are your off days. And so traveling on your off days is not always a full recharge of the battery. So most of the time when I'm traveling for assignments, I'll go and I'll do two or three shifts in close order and then travel back home and have a few days off. But sometimes it's a travel day home and then the next day is a travel out to the next location. Let's talk a little bit about the logistics because I'm sure there's some physicians listening to this that are interested. Who decides where you're going and how long you stay? Are you involved in that decision or is this made at more of an administrative level in the company? It's more at a kind of a combination we We have a separate medical director just for the diplomat program. That's a kind of a a VP level position, a position who is in charge of all the traveling physicians. So she's the one responsible for making sure all of her doctors are getting enough shifts and that we have enough diplomats in the program to cover our needs. But that's always in conjunction with the development side of the company, new programs that are onboarding, what's the schedule, what are their needs, working with recruiting and HR in terms of getting new physicians in. And so, you know, there's lots of different pieces that that have to fit. And so, you know, I'll be contacted and say, hey, we're going to have a need at this hospital in this city. We'd like to go ahead and start credentialing you for that. And as soon as you're credentialed, um, then, you know, then we, uh, we also have a scheduler who 
has to keep track of how many how many different places people are at any given time. So, uh, well, lots of moving so there, pieces, but uh, lot, lot, there's a lot going on, right? It sounds like <laughs> there, there, there's a lot to make that happen. And then yeah. you know, once we get uh, a program fully staffed and everybody's comfortable and everybody's good and plugged in, then you know, my my shift count at that location will go away and I'll get plugged in somewhere else. Do you get to, you know, let's say you're, you've you been going from one hospital to the next. You said you're in Texas, right? So yes, sir. let's say you're from Dallas to Houston to Austin and there's another assignment for you coming up. Are you allowed to take a break? Do you Is there vacation time built into this? How does that work? We um, are generally contracted to work a certain number of shifts. We work in a 28-day pay cycle, scheduling cycle. And so, um, you know, once you've forked your allotted shifts, they can say, hey, do you want to go, you know, can you pick up an extra one or two? We've got a need or, and you can say yes or no. But, you know, once you've done your allotted shifts, then the rest of the time is time off. So that's one of the beauties of the, the hospitalist lifestyle mm, is, yeah. you know, you, you choose how many shifts a month you want to work. And, you know, once you've got those, those shifts on the schedule, then the rest is, is time that you can, you can travel or spend time with family or whatever it is you like to do. Right. So what, which physicians do you think, uh, you know, are best suited for this kind of work? And, and, and maybe what are some of the important traits and skills that you think are necessary to succeed in this type of mobile hospitalist system? Um, I would say the biggest one is flexibility. Um, a lot of times when I see new physicians coming into uh, the hospitalist role for the first time, They've spent a lot of time at one particular hospital in one particular setting, one particular way of doing things. And those people oftentimes have a little bit of a rocky start because they're coming into a different environment. Not every hospital operates the same way. Not every uh, unit has the same culture. And so I'd say the biggest requirement is just the ability to, to come in and realize that things may not be the way that they were done at your primary hospital or the one that you're used to doing and that there are different ways to do things and being able to to be flexible and adjust your style to the local environment. In the same light, I would say being able to multitask is, is a huge plus. Some physicians are really focused on one patient at a time, one problem at a time, but our environment is pretty dynamic. There are usually multiple things going on at the same time, and then you're getting called for an emergency, a postpartum hemorrhage on the floor, or a patient has a prolonged deceleration, fetal heart rate deceleration, and you're getting called to to, uh, to come assess the patient while their doctor's on the way, you know, mm-hmm. while you've got yeah. multiple patients that you're working up in the obstetrical emergency room. So, you know, you have to be able to handle multiple balls in the air at the same time. And yeah. um, some physicians are r- really good at focusing on one patient and one problem at a time, but that doesn't really work well in the dynamic environment that we find ourselves in. Yeah. And then the other thing, I, I think being, you know, a people person, being extroverted, um, being able to communicate, spend time with the nursing staff, the community physicians, talk to them, share a little bit of your story, find out what's what's going on with them. And you know, developing those relationships is really important. Uh, you know, people who come in, come into the program and want to stay in the call room or stay in the obstetrical emergency department and have as few interactions with other people generally don't do as well. So it's a matter of just putting in the extra effort to get to know the people you're working with, to share a little bit and to, to find their story and 
And it's amazing how quickly all of a sudden they're trusting you with their patients. They're trusting you with making sure that their patients get the best outcomes. Right, right. So you, again, you mentioned that you, you're in Texas. Uh, is that how it is for most diplomats, that they're in a certain state or a region, or are most diplomats potentially going all over the country? Um, I, I believe I'm the only diplomat that is a single state um, player. So we had so many new programs in Texas this, uh, over the past two years that they've not required me to go apply for you know licenses in neighboring states or nearby. But most diplomats operate in a multi-state environment. You know, we have some states that only have one program, so you know, you could be at that program, but then for your next assignment, you can be going to a different state. So, so most most of the diplomats, I believe, almost all of the other diplomats have multiple state licenses and have programs that take them a little bit further afield. I mean, Texas mm-hmm. is a big state. I, I go from <laughs> northeast Texas and Texarkana all the way to El Paso, and those are yeah. you know, 14 hours apart by car. So, yeah, um, that's true. So you're, you know, you know, Texas is like its own country, right? <laughs> so you're, that's huge. It, it is, it is big. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm Houston, I'm Houston based, and I worked uh, nine different programs in 2019. So wow, um, wow. So you were, you were very busy. You, you mentioned that. So a lot of the uh, diplomats will have um, licenses in, in multiple states. If if a physician is interested in this and becoming a diplomat, and they and they only have you know one license in the in the state that that they applied for, and that's where they practice. Does your program does does the company help them? get some more of those uh, multi-state licenses? Is, is, there, is there financial help for that? Is there help trying to pass, you know, some of those tests that you got to take? How does that work? Yeah, the, uh, the company will get you a, will, will support financially the process of getting uh, your application. It's up to the individual physician to apply to each individual, individual state and meet their requirements for licensure. But um, the cost of licensure, licensure, you know, your DEA, if a state has a local DEA, which Texas does, you know, you have to, they'll, they'll pick up all of those, you know, extraneous costs. And sometimes you have to actually do a in-person interview and, you know, they pick up that. So um, they'll help facilitate. Um, the physician still has to do the, the legwork of making the actual application to a, gotcha. to a second or a third or a fourth state. But, uh, um, you know, they have credentialing people that, um, constantly are working with uh, the different hospitals in terms of all the, the credentialing process. So they let you know, you know, hey, this is what we need. And, you know, you give them that document and then they've got that on file for the next hospital or the next state. So they, uh, gotcha. okay. they so, do so the that, company does the work. company does help with a lot of that administrative and financial burden that we know happens when you're trying to get other licenses. What, um, what, if, what if there's a diplomat who's doing this, traveling around, and then they get into a, a hospital or a program that they really like, and, and maybe maybe they want to stay um, and settle down in one place. What happens then? They would make that interest known. Each hospital has got a medical director assigned to it, and then they would also work with the medical director over the diplomat program, and you know they would express an interest, and if there's, if there's an availability, if there's still an unfilled slot, um, Certainly, they would be uh, a candidate, um, and they've already got a, a foothold in that program. They already know the hospital. They already know the, the administrators and the community physicians. So it, it's a pretty easy thing to do to say, okay, we're going to take you out of the traveling rotation and make you a, a permanent part of this team. So, you know, and that's, that's one of the nice things about the diplomat program is 
if you're flexible about where you live and you know you want to try on different hospitals, it's a great way to to go and say, hey, this is really where I want to practice. This is where I right. want to be a part of a team. This is this is where I want to live. So so that works out it works out for some. Yeah. Yeah. So the diplomat program is a nice way to kind of to go on and try on different programs um, and see what's a good fit. Dr. Kinsley, in in summary, what would you like other physicians to know about working as an OB hospitalist group diplomat? It's an exciting and and dynamic way to to practice as opposed to just being at, you know, one hospital in in private practice where your environment doesn't change. Um, This gives you a chance to to be part of the growth of this company and then to be a part of the vision of the company and to really be a part of making labor and delivery safer across the country. So it's a very uh, exciting and dynamic way to practice. Every every day is different. In one week, I was in four different hospitals. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you just never know. Your schedule is going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit unusual. You know, I, when I first joined OBHG, I was at one hospital and I was at that same hospital for over two years and I worked with the same players and the same the same docs and the same nurses and same administrators and you know I knew what my schedule was going to be I was going to do two shifts a week and it was pretty sad the traveling part with the company is a completely different environment you're jumping from site to site different electronic medical records to the next you have to keep very good notes for each hospital about okay how do I get into the hospital what are the codes what are the uh, <laughs> what's my what's my password for that EMR oh yeah we right. uh, it's not for everybody but for me it's been a it's been an interesting uh, transition at this point in my career and uh, yeah that's great that's Dr George Kinsley he's an OB hospitalist group diplomat. I want to thank you for checking out this episode of the Obstetrics Podcast. Please visit obhg.com to learn more about the diplomat program. That is obhg.com. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.